This is the Hockey News Prospect Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Hockey News Prospect Podcast. I'm Stephen Ellis. That's Ryan Kennedy. Ryan, how you doing? I'm doing great. How about you? Good. It's a good time for the draft. We just had the draft lottery a couple nights ago. We got the OHL draft coming up this weekend. We had the USHL draft recently. And at least the WHL draft's in like December, isn't it? It's like really late this year. So uh, we don't have to worry about that one for a while. But let's do a little bit of a fun mock draft because we know at least the top 15 teams, what they will pick this year. Of course, Arizona has had their pick forfeited, so they won't count towards the first round. So we're going to go team by team, and we're going to just see like who they might pick at this point in the juncture. Most of these guys have finished their seasons completely. At the time of recording this, Owen Power and Matty Beniers have not. But, of course, Matty Beniers actually just basically broke his ankle in a World Junior game or World Championship game, so that was pretty tough. But we do have an interview that he did with Ryan Ken, or with uh, Ken Campbell sorry, at the very end of this podcast. I'm looking forward to that. Now, let's start with the Buffalo Sabres. We talked a couple nights ago on who we expect them to pick, and that is... Owen Power of the University of Michigan. Uh, to me, you know, he was the consensus number one all year. And the fact that he has continued to play at a high level and, and perhaps even elevated his game at the World Championship, I think bodes well for his, his draft stock remaining at number one. You've got a kid who is already nearly six foot six, um, you know, 200 pounds mobile block shots gets points you can do it all out there for a Sabres team that really needs to just bolster its talent particularly on the blue line I think he it would be a great addition and then you're you know you're looking towards the future and you're saying well we already got Rasmus Dahlin we add Owen Power you got Ryan Johnson coming up you know if you get Henry Yokiharu uh, to be kind of a top four of these top six guy then that's another asset long term so it, it just to me it, it makes perfect sense it's a good fit for the Sabres and you know I think this is the sort of kid that is not going to be too long before we see him playing serious minutes in the NHL he suggested to, to Ken Campbell in his interview we posted a couple of weeks ago that he'd be very willing to go back to college for next year and of course Sabres could really probably use him and would like to probably get him involved in games but that's someone who uh yeah, you don't necessarily need to rush him, but he's in a good spot. Right now, he's proven against men that he can handle that. He can play really well against men. And he's he started the, the World Championship playing uh, on the, the fourth pairing, actually, because back they, they do a few more defensemen in the World Championship. And, and he didn't get much ice time. I think he was averaging six to seven minutes a game. And now he's playing close to 25 minutes every game. And he's the only guy that I'd say maybe he's been better than him right now in Troy Stature. So Owen Power is playing some great hockey right now. And it's a good way to kind of, keep his name in the in the talks for number one given that he was already there to start with but then now he's playing a good tournament against men in a, in a tournament where you know they just needed someone to play that's a big deal so i think owen power is going to be really good now number two seattle this is going to be the first player they ever draft who are they picking well i, I think simon edvinson would be a, a great pick here another defenseman uh, who he himself is six foot five and, and still growing. Uh, another guy that plays a two-way game that's very mobile, very competitive. You know, Sweden had a, a really up and down world under 18s, 
But what I liked about Edmondson at that tournament is that he cared. I didn't see a lot of compete level from most of that Swedish team, but Edmondson, you could tell he was mad about what was going on. He wanted to be a difference maker, even if he didn't necessarily have a great cast around him. So I appreciated that, you know, with the Kraken next season, it's going to be their first year. You know, they're drafting 30 NHLers at the expansion draft. So, you know, they're going to, they don't need prospects right away. They don't need somebody to jump right in. And, And honestly, you know, it's going to be so fun and so chaotic there that I don't think I would want. Uh, a teenager, you know, trying to find his way in the NHL as everybody else is trying to gel as a team. Edmondson will play in Frolunda again next season in the SHL. Um, he'll probably be there the full year. You know, this season he was loaned out for parts to the Alston Scon where he played very well for Vasteris. But I think that's the best course of action is for him to do another year in Sweden, you know, play at the World Juniors, and, and, you know, hopefully dominate. And then in a, you know, the year after that, you sort of say, okay, is it time to bring him over to North America? You know, where is Seattle looking at the time? You know, what kind of depth do they have? What kind of team do they have? And you fold him in because this is the type of guy that, you know, he can have that sort of Seth Jones, Victor Hedman impact. I think if he, if he develops, right, you know, he has all the tools so he's the guy that you want in your back end getting minutes, much like Owen Power for, say, you know, the next decade. He's a guy for me where I've, I've loved him a lot. And there's been a lot of games where I'm like, what are you doing with the puck? Why are you making these dumb passes? In the U18s, there were some moments there I truly did not like his game and I was concerned. But uh, it just looked like whenever they needed him to be good, he stepped up. And that's he was the guy that really needed to do something. And he did. So. I do kind of wish, though, he would fall to Detroit and get another Swedish guy there, but also to go out there and pass to Alex Holtz. Like, I would love to see them more of because that'd be pretty cool. So a lot of defense in this draft. Are the Anaheim Ducks taking one at number three? You know what? I actually see the Ducks taking a left winger, and that's William Eklund from Dregarden. Um, You know, I, I look at the Ducks and... Trevor Zegers, he's going to be the number one center of the future. Jamie Drysdale is going to be the number one defenseman of the future. But, you know, you, you want to keep filling things in. And, you know, I look at Eklund and his incredible hockey sense and the talent he possesses. And I, I think he can play a bit of center too, but, you know, you put him on the left wing. And I'm just thinking, you know, a zegers Eklund combo in the future would be really exciting you know, Eklund, uh, he, he had an up and down season just because he had some, some injuries at inopportune times. So we, and, you know, because of COVID protocols, we didn't see him at the world juniors, which was unfortunate, but he has played against men, you know, uh, Sweden brought him to an international tournament um, late in the season to play against men. And he did very well there. So this is a kid that obviously has the maturity and again, you're not going to see him in Anaheim next season necessarily, but um, I'm starting to get excited about that Ducks pipeline and, and what that team can be in a couple of years. And I think Eklund would be a very nice addition. I actually put a lot of money towards getting a bunch of Anaheim Ducks prospect cards um, that I have a little hockey card collection of just specifically Anaheim Ducks prospects, hoping they'll really turn into something. Some of them like Troy Terry, Sam Steele, kind of waiting for them to really show up. But Maxim Comtois collection, it's, it's looking pretty good. And he's having a good world championship too. Now, number four, this team has a chance to ch- select a brother of Jack Hughes. Will they? 
You know what? I don't necessarily see it. Obviously, we're talking about the New Jersey Devils. And for me in this mock draft, I'm going to go with Dylan Gunther, the right winger for the Edmonton Oil Kings of the WHL. You know, when I look at the Devils, They've, they've got some some good young defensemen. They've got some good young centers, you know, in Nico Heaster and Jack Hughes. Um, you know, Alex Holtz, obviously a great uh, winger uh, who they just signed after taking him in the first round. You got Dawson Mercer. But I, I love the scoring punch that Dylan Gunther brings. And he can be physical. He's got good size. And he's a finisher. And, I mean, that's what the Devils need. They need scoring in the future. And I think, you know, Holtz is obviously a sniper. Um, but Gunther, I think, would be another great compliment to one of their, you know, uh, elite young centers. And I, I really think he's a good fit. Not saying that Luke Hughes would not be a good fit. Uh, we're going to talk about him in a couple of minutes. But I think Gunther just, I mean, he just tore up the WHL this season. And it, it was a short season, but he was incredible. I wanted to see a bit more of him out of the U18s, but they also didn't necessarily need him to be that great of a player, given just the offense they had. So uh, I, I won't use that against him. What we saw in league play, clearly the dude's going to be really, really good. Now, number five, Columbus last year kind of went off the board and picked Yuri Chinnikov, and now they've got an opportunity to pick a little earlier in this year's draft. Who do they take? Well, I'm looking at Matty Beneers uh, from the University of Michigan. You mentioned off the top, obviously, he had that bad spill at the World Championship, but the fact that he was at the World Championship speaks volumes to just how advanced Matty Beneers is, and, you know, he is a late birthday but a fantastic two-way center. We saw him at the World Juniors. You know, he was the guy taking those late key face-offs for Team USA en route to the gold medal. And you look at the Columbus Blue Jackets, they have very few centers in their system right now. And they certainly don't have any elite centers. You know, Yarmo Kikalain in the, the GM in his, uh, his final sort of press meeting of the year, you know, he, he said they have a lot of faith in Alexandre Tessier. You know, they, they tried Max Domi back at center at the end of the year, and they've got Jack Roslevic. But to me, they need, like, a guy. <clears throat> they need a guy that can really be that number one. And I think Matty Beneers can be that number one. And, again, you know, if he does one more year at the University of Michigan, where maybe the Wolverines go for a national title, they didn't get the chance this year uh, because of COVID protocols, which was obviously very disappointing for that team. But, you know, if you look at Beneers, Power, you know, some of the other guys they have coming back, some of the guys they have coming in, I mean, that's going to be a really fun team. And I think it'll be a fantastic experience before he moves on to the NHL level. All right, the next team is the Detroit Red Wings. We, I made a joke earlier about the all these Swedish guys that they pick, but most of those guys are off the board right now, so it's unlikely they're going to take one at number six. So who are they taking? Well, let's go with a good Michigan boy in Luke Hughes. Uh, you know, we mentioned him uh, earlier. The defenseman with the national team development program, uh, you know, season cut short by injury, but we got a great look at him beforehand. Amazing skater. You know, I, to me, I think he might be the best skater of the three Hughes brothers. Uh, obviously, Quinn Hughes with Vancouver and Jack Hughes with New Jersey. The whole family skates incredibly well. But, I mean, having seen them all and, and, and watching Luke from a young age, I just, I mean, the stride is just incredible. And I think it's such a weapon for him. And, you know, again, he can help you out offensively. Um, his mobility, mobility helps him on the defensive side of things. And you look at the Detroit Red Wings, you know, they've done a great job building up that pipeline. And this is just another top end asset. You know, you think about a Red Wings 
defense core in the future headlined by Moritz Sider and Luke Hughes. I mean, that's just a great foundation to, to start off with. And obviously they have some great weapons up front as well. So I, I just think it's a really fun um, pick there. You know, Hughes is committed to the university of Michigan. So Red Wings fans can watch him in Ann Arbor next year. And uh, just, just seems like a fun pick. Detroit's not rushing their players, but this would be one where I think if Luke Hughes gets in, you're going to have a fan favorite instantly, especially if, if after that getting to see what Quinn Hughes and has had that type of impact in Vancouver, I don't think Luke Hughes is going to be at that level, but Luke Hughes is going to be a very good player on his own, and that's going to be really cool to see. San Jose Sharks at number seven. This is a team that really needs a bit of luck right here. It really needs uh, something to really kind of push them forward. Who are they taking? Well, I'm going to give them Brant Clark from the Barry Colts of the OHL. And, you know, Clark, uh, there's a bit of a knock on his skating, but he went over to Slovakia this season because there were no OHL games. It was the bigger ice. A lot of scouts thought it was a great decision by him because it forced him to really hone in on his skating on that uh, international ice surface. We saw him at the World Under-18s. He was amazing for Canada on route to gold. You know, this is a kid that thinks the game so well, has so much talent. He can really light up a scoreboard. And you look at the San Jose Sharks pipeline right now, and it's just kind of all right. Um, You know, they've done a a decent job folding some guys in, but they don't have a lot of high-end blue liners. You know, their their best right now would be Ryan Merkley, who is very much a a boom-bust offensive defenseman. So, you know, I mean, Ryan Merkley might turn out to be awesome. Uh, He might not turn out to be much at all. He might just turn out to be an AHLer, depending on how things go. With Brant Clark, I think you have obviously more of a sure thing. And, you know, for a San Jose team that hasn't picked that high very often, obviously there was the uh, the Eric Carlson trade that kind of blew up in their face. Um, I, I think Brant Clark would be a real great prize for them. And, of course, they do have Ryan Merkley in the system. And, if, and the two best defensemen I've ever seen play in a minor midget were Ryan Merkley and Brant Clark. So it'd be cool to see them play together. But not sure that would be the, the greatest defense pairing. But uh, <laughs> be a lot, they, they would score a lot, I think. The they power would, play would be incredible. They would, they, they would go 100 for five every single game. They would look That's amazing right. in that case. All right, well. Los Angeles Kings, a team that went out, obviously have a very strong prospect core, but we do have to take into consideration that they might have to trade some of those pieces away this year to bring in something else. Could be Jack Heichel, could be someone else. So who do the LA Kings pick? Well, I'm going to go with the third University of Michigan freshman from this class, and that would be Kent Johnson. Uh, The center, he also played some wing for the Wolverines this year. I just think he's just an electrifying asset, you know, tremendous one-on-one skills, still kind of raw. So, you know, you're looking at a guy who's definitely coming back next year, might even do a, you know, a, a third season with the Wolverines. Nothing wrong with that. If you're the Los Angeles Kings, you're already starting to graduate some of your prospects. You know, we saw Arthur Kaliev this year. Uh, we saw Quentin Byfield make his NHL debut. They've got Alex Turcott. You know, they've got Tyler Madden. They, they do have a lot of forwards. Um, they do have some good defensemen as well coming up. So to me, Kent Johnson is sort of a, a best player available pick. And it's a luxury that the Kings have because they've selected so well and, and made so many high selections in the past few seasons. All right. The Vancouver Canucks, a team with a 
proud franchise, a proud fan base, a team that I believe actually like wrote an article on their website about their Twitter following and all of the crazy people are, are cool and crazy things about the Twitter out there in Vancouver. So are they going to get excited about their pick? I think they will. I'm going to give the Canucks Mason McTavish, the center for the Peterborough Peets in the OHL. Uh, another kid that went over to Europe, he went to Switzerland and played really well for EHC Olten. Um, you know, he's physical, he's super talented. You know, he put up a ton of points at the world under 18s for Canada. You know, there were some scouts that were worried uh, initially that, you know, he kind of has to be in a scoring role in order to be effective. I feel that at the world under 18s, he showed a little more versatility in that regard. And I think the physical element of his game kind of broadens his uh, scope, but, you know, for the Canucks, Maybe, you know, you've got Elias Patterson, you've got Bo Horvat, sure, but you can never have enough centers. You can always put somebody on the wing. I think Mason McTavish could be a really great asset for them. And he probably doesn't need that much more time in junior before you could bring him up to the NHL because he does have that size and he does have that maturity where, you know, he knows how to compete against men and he will step up his game. All right. The Ottawa Senators are next. This is a team where, if I'm making the decision, I'm going for Jesper Wallstead. But I know that's that, that could be a little too early. Who are the Ottawa Senators picking with this pick? Well, you know what's funny, Stephen? I had the Ottawa Senators picking Jesper Wallstead. I like it. Number 10, it, you know, it would be uh, the highest goalie in, in years. You know, Askarov and uh, Spencer Knight didn't crack that top 10 as good as they were. Um, but I feel if you look at the Ottawa Senators, they are so stacked it forward they are stacked at defense it makes sense to go for a goalie of the future you know they they do have some options already in the system but nobody that's as surefire as Jesper Wall said you know this is a kid that I mean he's just so poised he has the size he has the athleticism he's playing against men this year in the SHL and faring well um you know he didn't play a ton at the world juniors um because he was you know one of their younger guys but he looked really good when he did come in for the Swedes. And, you know, obviously I think next year we'll see him more based on how he did this year. So a very bright future ahead for Wallstead. And I do feel like he's one of those goaltenders, you know, much like Spencer Knight, where we will see him sooner than later in the NHL. You know, this is not one of those goalies that that's going to need four or five years to get to the show. I think we could see him in two to three years. And if you're Ottawa, that's the kind of asset you want right now. It's worth noting he only has one year left on his contract out in the SHL, so we could actually see him before too long. And this is a guy who just, you know, we, we go look back at the draft where Vasilevsky was taken, where he's clearly become the best player from that draft. That could be the case this year. That could be the best player in the draft, could end up being a goalie. So I think that's exciting, but still a long way to go. And, of course, goalies are, are very hard to predict. Number 11, the Chicago Blackhawks. This is a team that, you know, they, they showed some promise this year where even without John, uh, Jonathan Taze and Kirby Doc, they actually made a really legitimate shot uh, at trying to make the playoffs this year. So who did they pick? Well, you know, uh, and obviously we skipped uh, Arizona, as you mentioned, off the top. They forfeited the pick. So that technically that's pick 11 and the, the Blackhawks are 12, uh, just for those following at home. But uh, for the Blackhawks, I'm going to go with Chaz Lucius. Uh, the center from the, the NTDP, you know, he missed time early due to a knee injury. But what was funny for scouts is that 
you know, coming into the year, they weren't sure if he was the greatest skater. And then he got hurt and, you know, they were sort of saying, ooh, okay, a knee injury for a guy who doesn't skate well, that's kind of sketchy. Then he came back and he was a better skater than he was before. So what? give that surgeon a raise, I suppose. <laughs> um, you know, scouts uh, no longer worried about the skating. And what you're left with is a University of Minnesota commit who is one of the most pure finishers out there. I mean, Chaz Lucius just fills the net with goals. He knows where to go. He's got a great shot rate. Um, he just, he just puts him in the net. I mean, plain and simple. And I look at the Blackhawks down the road. If you had a one, two punch down the middle of Kirby doc and Chaz Lucius, you're in a pretty good you're in a pretty good uh, area there, especially when you've got guys from them play with, you know, like Alex Debrinkit, for example. So I, I think this is a pretty good fit. And again, he's going to college, um, you know, he'll play at least one year with the Gophers, if not two, you see how things go. And, and then you got a kid that already has decent size and, and definitely plays a confident game. So I think it's a great pick for Chicago. All right, the next pick at the Calgary Flames, another team that I think kind of just fell short of their expectations this year. A lot of people, I, I predict them to be that fourth team in the playoffs, and right now that fourth team from the North Division is doing quite well in the Montreal Canadiens. So the Calgary Flames, who are they taking? Well, the pick I like for them is Fyodor Svechkov, uh, who played for Lada in Russia this year, um, sometimes in junior, sometimes in the VHL, which is kind of their version of the AHL. Uh, I really liked his game at the World Under-18s as well. He's a two-way center, uh, very detailed game, but he also has that skill that kind of makes you come up in your seat and say, ooh, okay, it's fun to watch Svechkov when he has the puck to see what he can come up with creatively. And I think it's a good fit, fit for the Flames because – you know, obviously they have Sean Monaghan, but his game has kind of tailed off a bit at times. He's been sort of up and down. And you do have to kind of look for the future if you're the Flames. And you do have Connor Zary, who uh, can be centered, but I think you need more options. And Svechkov, to me, I think he'll be very exciting. And he has been traded to SKA St. Petersburg, uh, which is a fantastic organization over there that has done a great job developing uh, young talent lately so he's going to be in uh, a great development path and he already has a great foundation so I think this is a very fun pick for Calgary all right the next pick the Philadelphia Flyers a team that a lot of people had running for the Stanley Cup this year and if things went well Carter Hart would have played much better hockey the Flyers would have been a much more dangerous team to play instead they missed the playoffs who are the Flyers taking I'm going to give the Flyers Cole Sillinger uh, from the Sioux Falls Stampede in the USHL. Uh, obviously, he was loaned out by Medicine Hat in the WHL uh, because their season started a lot uh, later. So Sillinger, uh, the son of Mike Sillinger, stayed in the U.S. Uh, for the whole season. He's a big kid, uh, you know, not necessarily like a, a huge frame, but just really sort of like burly and strong. And he was very physical in the USHL. Uh, you know, I remember, you know, we had him on the, the prospect podcast and afterwards uh, I was asking him about, you know, fighting in the USHL and he didn't realize, I, I think his, uh, his helmet came off or something happened in his first fight where he, he got kicked out of the game. He didn't know the rule. Uh, so that was kind of funny, but you know, he can drop the gloves, but also he can put up a ton of points. Uh, he was a huge driver for that stampede team this season he really elevated that team uh, and became sort of the focal point of that offense. 
And, you know, I look at the Flyers and they've got some nice young forwards already. Obviously, Travis Konechny, but also Joel Farabee, I think, is going to be kind of a heart and soul guy for them for the next decade. But you, you got to keep adding because you're getting to the point where you have to ask, you know, what do you do when Claude Giroux's contract comes up? What do you do when Sean Couturier's contract comes up? You know, these are tough decisions that have to be made. You probably can't keep everybody. And and then guys are going to age out as well, like getting – you know, Jakub Voracek. So I think it's good to keep the party going. And I think Cole Sillinger would be a guy that Flyers fans really enjoy. All right. The next pick, the Dallas Stars. This is a team that a year ago wasn't playing in May, but they would go on to have a pretty long Stanley Cup run. Obviously a bit of a different year last year. This year, they're not playing in May, but they don't have the Stanley Cup playoffs to look forward to in a few months. So who are they picking? Well, I'm going to go with Nikita Chabrikov, the winger from SK St. Petersburg in the KHL. Um, another high skill guy, but also another high compete level guy. You know, he's somebody that'll throw hits maybe when you're when you're not expecting it. So you got to keep on your toes. Um, you know, he plays that honest game. And I think for Dallas, you know, they're in a pretty good spot right now where, you know, this year they were down because of injuries. You know, no Ben Bishop. No Tyler Sagan for about 90% of the season, but you saw some great growth from guys like Rupi Hintz. Uh, and then you got Dennis Gurianov as well. You still have Ty Delandria coming up the pipeline. So I think Shabrikov is another asset where, you know, you might not see him for three years, uh, but once he comes over, he'll probably be kind of a fully formed player coming out of that SKA St. Petersburg system. So just another talented guy that you can add to your core. And, and I think he can be dangerous in the NHL. I think he's going to be a lot of fun. And he had a great under 18 tournament. So I'm, I'm excited to see what he did. Cause he, he really, really helped his draft stock there. He took a really bad penalty in the first game. The, the Americans were able to really exploit that. And then you kind of just took over at the final half of the game and ended up winning that game, which set the stage for the Russians going nearly all the way. Canada ended up beating them in the final. But otherwise, it was a really strong tournament. Now, the last pick that we know of at this exact moment, the New York Rangers. This is a team that went picked first overall last year, second overall the year before. So I would say it's a it's a good progression that they're not picking that early again. Uh, as well, obviously, you'd want to get the best prospects possible. But the New York Rangers, who are they going to select? Well, I'm going with Corson Kuhlemans, the defenseman with the Brooks Bandits of the Alberta Junior A League. Uh, he's a University of Wisconsin commit. When I watch him, I kind of see like a modern day Scott Stevens where uh, he can blow you up with a hit. Now, he does not target the head. Uh, I did say modern day Scott Stevens. Um, you know, so Kuhlemans, you know, he throws big legal hits, uh, but he can also uh get your points. Uh, he's a great two-way player. Um, you know, if you look at the Rangers, they kind of have a bit of everything already. I, I suppose, you know, their future center depth isn't the best, but they have guys like Zibanejad and Strom right now. And, and those guys aren't old, so you're going to be all right for a while. They've got all the wingers they need with Lafreniere and, and Capococco and Kraftsoff. Uh, and they, they do have some, some really good young defensemen, if you think of Adam Fox, Keandre Miller. Um, you know, they they, they kind of have a bit of everything, and they obviously have goaltending. So for me, Corson Kuhlman's is good because he gives you a different look on the back end. And again, he's going to the NCAA, so you put him to the University of Wisconsin. He plays there for two or three seasons, really sort of hones his game 
probably gets even stronger in the weight room. And then you bring him up and he's basically fully formed. And by that time, I think the Rangers are probably going to be, uh, you know, a, a pretty dangerous team. So depth will be uh, key for them. And I think Kuhlman's a real winner. All right. Are there any other notables you want to mention? Because obviously we don't have the rest of the draft order at this point, but any other notables that you would like to mention? Well, you know what? I think Sebastian Casa um, from the Edmonton Oil Kings, uh, nearly six foot six goaltender. He was incredible this year in the WHL. I think he's definitely a first rounder and, and maybe even top 20. Um, Aturati, the center uh, from Carpat in Finland, he's going to be very interesting to watch because he had a down season. Um, some scouts are worried about him. Some scouts still see a lot of potential. You know, this is a guy that, you know, sort of a year and a half ago, we thought might have even been the first overall pick in this draft. Uh, certainly hasn't turned out that way, but there's still a lot of potential there. And then I would also say Brennan Othman is one to watch. Uh, had a great world under 18s for Canada. And, you know, he's another kid that he's physical and he's talented. There's, there's a couple of guys like that. Uh, Zach LaRue would be another one from Halifax in the queue. It'll be fun to see where all those guys go because, uh, you know, they all bring some pretty unique skill sets. And this is going to be such a strange draft uh, just because of how the season went. Boards are going to be very different, even more so than usual. And so, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we have some real sort of uh, shockers in the first round. But it's not necessarily because those teams are making bad decisions. It's just, you know, teams are going to have really different opinions on a wide variety of kids. All right, that's it for this mock draft. We will be doing a lot more draft pre previews and profiles going forward. We're going to do a lot like we did last year. If you guys remember, we kind of tried to preview, uh, I think, almost 50 prospects before the, the draft. So we'll be doing a lot of that again later this year. So, Ryan, get ready to do some homework. And that's it for this portion. We are going to do a short interview here with Maddie Beniers. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. And see you next time. Hello, everyone. Ken Campbell, senior writer from the Hockey News here with uh, Maddie Beneers, uh, 2021 NHL draft prospect, 2021 World Junior Championship gold medal winner, and 2021 member of the Michigan uh, University Wolverines, who uh, unfortunately couldn't participate in the NCAA tournament this year um, because of COVID, but, uh, but had a great season nonetheless and uh, is part of a a phenomenal draft class this year with the University of Michigan. Um, uh, there's himself, Matty Beneers. There's Owen Power, who who could be, very well be the number one pick, and there's also Kent Johnson, who will be probably a top five or six pick as well. Uh, welcome, Matty. How are you? Doing well. How are you? I'm really well. I'm really well. Okay, I want to get something out of the way first. Okay, so your mother, mm -hmm. your mother, the former Christine Mag Maglione, Maglione. Yep. Yeah, she, uh, she she's she sounds like a remarkable woman, first of all. Yeah, um, graduated from uh, from Cornell with an engineering degree, then became a civil litigator and also performed on Broadway, um, you know, in in uh, productions such as she was Rizzo in Greece, I believe, uh, she, uh, Kiss of the Spider Woman, some really big, big time stuff, mm -hmm. uh, a co very accomplished actress on the stage. But what I want to do is I, I, I was actually doing some research on you. And I, I was looking at a uh, Cornell Engineering Alumni magazine, and it was talking about her and her kids and everything. 
and it said it said uh, it said about her. I think you were three years old at the time. It was it was uh, in two thousand and six, and it says Matthew three is the ham of the family, and he's often seen uh, by himself at his desk singing at at Montessori school. <laughs> so, what do we do with that? What do we what? do with that? <laughs> I I don't remember that. That's so funny. Uh, yeah, no, I I like to. I was kind of crazy when I was younger. Um, oh, just yeah? like, super energetic, always running around. Uh, I'm, my sister and I used to sit at the piano and like sing. I mean, my mom always had us all like doing playing instruments our whole life. I played piano, played piano, violin, clarinet, and the saxophone. So, oh wow, she had us doing all that growing up. And then, uh, yeah, we'd always like sing around the house. And yeah, it was just kind of part. It was like. You know, you got school, you got hockey, and then she always wanted to introduce, like, the theater and singing and uh, acting just because she wanted us all to be, like, well-rounded and not just not just jocks, as she would say. You're in a show. Uh, she, yeah. didn't, she didn't like the one the one sport or the one thing, so she was like, you got to do it all. So that's kind of why uh, we would always do that. Oh, that's cool. So do you, do you still play any of those instruments, or do you, you um, proficient at them? Or? No, I, the last – so I – played saxophone the longest probably I played it for like four years because you had to play the clarinet to get the saxophone um but then I stopped like two years ago but I can still play it it's kind of like muscle memory so right right did you ever do any acting when you were growing up like did you ever get involved in the theater or anything like that yeah my (laughs) um what was actually good for me but uh I didn't really realize it but I had to do like these uh two week camps in the summer with my mom because she ran it and she didn't have any guys <laughs> so she so she'd make us all me and my brother would have to go and then also i like joined the school play in sixth grade um oh. in the sound of music so that was my acting experience oh what was your uh, were you one of the kids were you one of the von trapp kids or what no what? no i was a i was like a nazi like a, like a smaller role oh okay okay yeah Oh, wow. So you've, you've got, you've got something, a lot of other stuff going other than hockey. So, okay. So I'm going to put you on the spot here, Maddie. What is your, what is your go-to karaoke song? A and B, are you prepared to sing it right here, right now? (laughs) Um, uh, well, I know, like, I know like one, it's like this Jersey boy song that, um, I sang and like, this is actually crazy, like crazy, but I sang it and then uh, it's called I Love You Baby by, uh, by Frankie Valley. And um, I sang it and they got a recording of it like my mom did because she wanted it. And then she like sent it to my high school, like Milton Academy and like posted it on YouTube. And then like my high school found it, all my Milton, or like all my Hingham friends, uh, oh man, like all my town friends found it. So that was, but no, I'm not. I don't really remember all the words, but I know I um I probably could sing it at some point. Sing sing one sing one line for us if you can. <laughs> no, I'm, I I can't I can't. <laughs> okay. I don't know if I still have it. <laughs> well, that's a pretty good story, anyways. Yeah. Um, but obviously you're you're here and you're talking to me because of your 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 hockey ability, and I'm thinking, you know. You're a two-way center. You you know, everybody talks about your 200-foot game. Everybody talks about what a complete player you are. And, I mean, growing up in Boston, I mean, you had that template right in front of you. Is that 
you know, is, is that what it is? Like, did you just sort of grow up idolizing Patrice Bergeron and is that sort of how you pattern your game or? Yeah. Um, I think it was, uh, it was a lot. Um, well, obviously I watched Patrice Bergeron growing up my whole life. Like that's probably the best model for a two-way center you can get. I mean, um, so that was obviously like a guy I looked up to a lot. Um, I think, but my, I think the biggest impact on like how I play was my dad. Um, he coached me and, uh, he coached a team of mine for like nine or 10 years when I was growing up and, uh, his biggest like philosophy, I'd say like his biggest thing about hockey was always like play the game the right way. Um, like you don't, you don't cheat the game, you play the right way and you get rewarded kind of thing. So, uh, that was kind of his message to my whole team, like, and not just me. Um, he always taught us like, you got to play defense, got to back check, you got to do the hard things. Uh, and then you get to do all the fun stuff. So um, okay. it was never really just like, a, oh, like go cheat for offense. Like you got to earn it. You got to work hard and then you'll get rewarded. So that was kind of his always message. And, you know, that's how like, I think that's kind of how I grew up playing. And um, and then it just transfers as I, as I get older, I never really switched. So that's, that's I think that's how I uh, started playing like that. Oh, that's interesting. And I mean, your dad would know about not cheating the game and pl- playing it at a high level because he played football at Cornell, right? Yeah. Yeah, I did. What was it? What, what uh, position did he play? Uh, he was a tight end. Cause he oh, was really? A, okay. Yeah, he told me he was big and slow. So. He was a tight end. <laughs> well, you're bigger and fast. So <laughs> that's good to hear. Um, so, so Maddie, I mean, you're, you're going through this with two of your teammates, obviously, you know, the three of you, I mean, it, it, it's never really happens. It never really falls this way because, you know, usually by the time elite players uh, get to college, they've already been drafted. Right. But you guys yeah. are all late birthdays. So you're all up for this year's draft. And uh, you know, I mean, to have three from the same team is, is unprecedented. Um, how have you guys sort of leaned on each other and, and supported each other through all of this. Have you guys, do you guys sort of feel like you have this bond because the three of you are kind of going through this same um, experience at the same time? Yeah, uh, I think we do. Um, I don't think it's been that like pressing, honestly. Like I think we've all, we're all pretty good about just not really thinking about it. Uh, like, I don't think any of us have been really stressing at all or like ever throughout the whole year like um it hasn't really been like a huge thing in our minds I, I mean I can't really speak for both of them but that's kind of like how I see it from right. my side and also like what I see them and how they deal with it so uh I think it's really just been I think it's been good having them also because I think we're all just like pretty focused on hockey pretty focused on the team pretty focused on winning so um mm-hmm. it was never really like oh my god the draft it was always like all right let's focus on the year let's get through this let's trying to win a national championship and then we can start thinking about it a little bit more. So I think that was kind of um, how all three of us went about it. And I think that was a great way to go about it because there's no need stressing. Like the only thing you can do is play the best you can throughout the year. And you like, you can't really do much else than that. It's, it's right. not, it's pretty much out of your hands. So no yeah. need to stress. Yeah. Kent, Kent uh, Johnson was telling me that there would be days when, like he and Owen were in the same house and, and uh, that there'd be days where you guys would be like, Oh, Hey, I got a text from team X today. Did you get that one? Oh yeah. yeah I got that one too. Oh yeah, yeah. I got that one too. You know, they, it seems like they had you guys on speed dial. <laughs> yeah. We had a little, like, we would always text the group chat like, Oh, like, did you get this guy? And they're like, yep, yep. Uh, all right, cool. <laughs> <laughs> we were all like, at like 
30 different time intervals. So I was like, all right. Nice. Uh, yeah, that's funny. That's funny. Um, do you guys have any sort of like, do you have a friendly competition going amongst yourselves? Like, I mean, you know, as far as who gets picked higher or, or who accomplishes <laughs> more this year or anything like that, do you, do you have a bit of a, of a competition, friendly competition going between the three of you? No, no, we don't. I mean, no, yeah, nothing really. I don't, uh, I think we're all pretty just happy for each other. Yeah. We did throughout the year and, uh, like whoever, whoever goes above one another, it's not really, uh, I mean, you're just happy for your teammates. So. Right. Exactly. So I've talked to your coach, Mel Pierce, and I've talked to Kent Johnson so far, and both of them talked about your motor. Uh, they, they and they use that word and and I was I was looking online and there was a there was a clip from the uh, from the school that the school put out uh, uh, after a game against uh, Michigan State and it said Matty Beneers did not leave his motor in Edmonton <clears throat> excuse me and and it was it, you were killing a penalty and you you gained the offensive zone you carried the puck for like 17 seconds <laughs> you were killing this penalty before you dished it back. Um, I, I mean, that's, that's pretty remarkable, but where does that motor come from? Cause you mentioned off the top that you were a pretty crazy kid with lots of energy. Where does that, where does that motor come from? Yeah. Um, I think that stems from me just being crazy when I was younger. I just, I mean, I'm still kind of that way. Like I, I hate sitting still. Um, it's like the worst thing ever for me. Like I, I can't sit down, like watching a movie is like the longest I can probably sit around, uh, and not do something. So I love to be active. I love to be outside running around. That was kind of how I always was as a kid. Like my mom could never really get me to stop. Um, so that's why she put me into hockey. Cause it was always like, go, go, go. So that was, I think that's kind of just like how I was growing up. Um, and then, I think my dad kind of like shaped that like and my family kind of just shaped that into like putting it towards like good things like working hard in school and working hard in the hockey like things like that so I think it was just kind of like a little natural like I, I hated to lose uh, it was like the worst thing ever for me and uh like I always was running around like playing street basketball street hockey hockey, baseball, lacrosse I played all those so like I was always going and that's kind of I think that's how it's kind of shaped uh it shaped into the motor i have in hockey so interesting you you also play baseball at a pretty high level as well right yeah i played uh high school varsity baseball right what what position did you play um i think you played left field yeah. i was mainly a catcher but they had a catcher uh there so i played outfield so it was never a point where you had to make a choice like that you were as good at at baseball as you were at hockey and you had to sort of make a choice at some point or not really. I was always, I was actually very, um, I was pretty good at baseball. Um, but I, I was always just better at hockey and I always liked hockey better. It wasn't even, uh, about like which one I was better at. It was just, I loved hockey. So, uh, that was always going to be number one, no matter whether I was Mike Trout at baseball. So yeah, that's, funny. <laughs> that's funny because it probably goes back to that whole thing. Cause I remember I was talking to Austin Matthews dad once and he said, yeah, we had him in baseball and it, it just, there just wasn't enough, there just wasn't enough going on, you yeah. know, a lot of not, not enough chaos, not enough going on. It just, you know, he was better suited to hockey because he also was a guy that, you know, had a, had a high energy level. Yeah. 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 Um, so you said you hate losing Well, you didn't do much of that this year and you certainly didn't do it in the world junior championship. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you went there and, and I think that was really where, 
the hockey world sort of got to see who this guy was mm-hmm. and what you were capable of doing. And you were the only, I think you were the only draft eligible player on that team, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and it just seemed to me as the tournament went on, your role got bigger and bigger. You started going out for more and more big face-offs. You were, you were put in more situations. Can you tell me a little bit about how that process evolved for you and, and, and how you handled it? Uh, yeah. Um, well, yeah, definitely. It was, uh, it was definitely a little nerve wracking. I think, um, I'm not usually a guy who gets very nervous, but I think that whole being on that big stage and being around all these really great players and playing a lot of great players, uh, definitely a little nerve wracking, uh, at, at times. Um, but I think it was just kind of, um, having the ability to kind of step back and just like, be like, all right, this is great that I'm here. Like, so awesome and then just calm down like you're fine you you are here for a reason that's kind of like the things I was telling myself like you're here you made this team you're here for a reason just like play the game play the way that play the like play the reason that you're here uh play that game so that's kind of what's what I thought I wanted to like use my speed um use my edges work hard like kind of do the right thing and then hope that points would start coming um, and I think I did that pretty well. I was hoping I would get a couple more points, but you know what? Sometimes they don't fall and right. we still won the championship, which is all that matters. So, um, it was definitely a great experience and kind of a good marker to see like where I was at against these awesome players. Like I know after that, I kind of, uh, got home and really wanted to work on my shot and my scoring. Cause you know, I wanted like my next year, uh, that tournament, hopefully, uh, like I can, play like Trevor Zegers, like Trevor Zegers killed it. And that's kind of like my goal. So uh, I think it was a good marker for me so that I can like kind of see where I'm at and see things I need to work on. So that was kind of how I took that uh, whole experience. And obviously like winning was probably one of the best hockey experiences I've had in my life so far. So that was, uh, that was awesome. Yeah, that's great. And I think, like I said, I mean, the scouting world obviously knew who you were and hockey people knew who you were, but I think that was the one, that was the the sort of your, a bit of your coming out party for the, for the rest of the hockey world, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. I think uh, a lot of people started to notice kind of who I was as a player and uh, I like started to talk about me a little bit more. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Great. Um, I wanted to get your scouting report on your two teammates. I want, I'm, and I'm asking each each of those guys for the scouting report on the other guys. But what's your scouting report on Owen Power, and what's your scouting report on Kent Johnson? Yeah, um, I mean, you lot you can say about both guys. Um, I'm just gonna have to say, just like awesome guys off the ice, uh, really good motor as well. Like just off the ice, always working hard, always in the weight room doing extra stuff off the ice. So that's the first thing, um, you know, Owen uh, obviously is huge. Um, uh, I think he gets knocked a little bit for not being so physical, but I think he's pretty physical. Um, I think he's smart and when he needs to do that, uh, obviously he's a smart player. He moves the puck well. He can, he can score. He can move for a big guy. Like he's pretty fast. And I mean, he's kind of a whole package on D plays D well and he, is really good offensively. So I don't know what else any team wants more like, um, so, and then obviously Ken's just an extremely skilled guy. I remember getting, um, getting to Michigan, uh, right. Like right when we got there, we were on the ice playing like three on threes, four on fours. And I was like talking to my dad and I was like, dad, he's just like crazy skill. Like I've never, I've honestly never seen like another guy. He's just, 
extremely skilled. Like, I don't, it was crazy. <laughs> so I remember texting my dad that, uh, like really early in the year, but no, he's, uh, he's definitely a lot more than just skill. Like a lot of people obviously see his skill and his flash, but, um, he's definitely a guy that still works hard. He wins his battles. He's good at pretending the puck. Um, he gets back on defense. Uh, so I was able to see a lot of this when we play together this year. So he's uh, like, they're both obviously great players. Um, I mean, you can't go wrong with either of them. So, well, it's funny. It's it's so it's three guys and three very different sort of players, right? Like, yeah. I mean, you've got own power, and you know, you talk to scouts, and it's like, how do you ignore a six foot five guy who can skate? <laughs> you know, yeah. and then then there's you, who's who's more of the complete guy, and then there's him, who's you know got the big shot and the and the and the you know the sort of the panache. So I guess it sort of depends on what you're looking for as far as where you guys are going to go and what teams are going to pick you. Yeah, definitely. I think it's kind of preference at this point. I think uh, we're all obviously good players, so it's kind of like what what a team needs or what a team wants at this point. Right. I'm not sure that that any team in a long time has had the, the the recruiting class that Michigan had last year. You know, with the three of you guys, you know, you know, uh, uh, Brendan Brisson, Thomas Bortolo. Um, you know, it was just crazy the 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 you know the freshmen that you guys had last year. Um, I mean. It, I guess, you know, I've, I've been talking to scouts and scouts are telling me, yeah, all three of them say they're coming back. All three of them are coming back for sure. They're going back to Michigan. You know, they're going to, they're going to play another year of college hockey. Uh, where do you see it going as far as, you know, I mean, if all three of you guys are back and, and, and sort of what this team can be capable of accomplishing. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I hope we all uh, come back. I mean, I think that would be really special. We'd have a really good team, especially we got a uh, a couple more really good guys coming in and yeah, we can really kind of stand. So um, I think we can do something special, but uh, I think, um, you know, I think we'll have to kind of make some adjustments as a team. Obviously we're a really skilled team, um, but I think we need to play almost a little bit more of a complete game, especially when we get in or hopefully if we make the NCAA tournament again, uh, we got to play a little bit more of a complete game. That's kind of something that, Coach Mel is always stressing, like, uh, when you're going to play in those tough games, uh, you got to be able to play play really good defense because they're not always going to go in the back of the net, uh, even with all the skill we have. So um, right. I think that's kind of something that we, uh, we're trying to work on at the end of the year, like really stress on, and I think we were getting there, and I think we're going to kind of take that in stride going into next year, and I think we'll be, I think we'll be just fine. So, yeah. It's, it's pretty exciting to think of the possibilities next year, though, with that team, right? I was, yeah. I was talking to Mel and he said, you know, he said, I was talking to the athletic director the, yesterday and there, we have 15, we set aside 1500 season tickets for students. And he says, those are all sold out. And we have like 600 kids on the waiting list. Like people are really excited about this team and the possibilities. And I, I guess it is a pretty exciting when you think of what this team could be next year. Yeah, no, it is exciting. Um, I definitely want to get, don't want to get too like, thinking about it because you know what there's been a lot of great teams that have uh not gone as far like not gone to their potential I'd say so like I don't want to think too much about it and then kind of fall short I just want to play our game enjoy the time with all like with all these great guys like and then hopefully see where we go you know and I'm assuming school is is part of it too for you I mean you, you had originally committed to Harvard which is uh an elite institution um the schooling part of it, I guess, and, and the whole sort of 
life part of it is is a big part of it for for you and for the other guys too right yeah definitely um yeah school was good this year um i took so i took some actually hard classes but um it, it was good it was a good balance i think with hockey and school i know some guys kind of um yeah that's that's all <laughs> well i i get it <laughs> yeah no yeah i i'm going i'm I'm trying to be a, like a bio, uh, biology health and society major. So I'm thinking I'm going to go pre-med, but we'll see. Oh, wow. Okay. So, uh, yeah. So, I mean, you know, and, and like when guys go pro, I mean, you know, if you have that, if you have two years instead of one, then yeah. you're the, all that much closer. Is that something that you would continue to pursue afterwards as well? Like, yeah, I, don't think, I don't think there's any, I don't think anybody's any, and there are any illusions that you're going to be a four-year guy, but <laughs> you know, but maybe a two-year guy and then, and then you would probably continue on or. Uh, yeah, no, I definitely uh, like continue on to hockey or. No, using... continue on with school after. Oh, you yeah. No, yeah, definitely. That's something that's uh, something that's really big in my house. I mean, uh, my parents and sister all went to Cornell. My brother went to Williams, which is a really good school. Yep. So um, it's like definitely something that uh, like graduating is not really an option. So uh, <laughs> I'll definitely be back for my summers if I leave early and uh, like to do all to finish out school. And because, you know, it's you might end hockey really early. So you got to have a backup plan or whatever you want to do for your next 50 years. So. Right. Exactly. So your pre-med would, would that would medicine be something that you'd be interested in pursuing or? Yeah, definitely. I, uh, I love like, well, like I, I would love like maybe a surgeon, but that's kind of a lot. Uh, yeah. Uh, but like, have you seen like, it's kind of weird, but have you seen Dr. Pimple Popper? No. Nope. All right. Well, it's like this dermatologist who like, Oh, that like, guy. Yeah. Yeah. That the guy that like on that line, the guy that like squeezes all those great big boils and stuff. Yeah. Like yeah. No, not the boils, but like, yeah, it's pretty much a dermatologist. It's, yeah. it's a, uh, she has like a TV show now, but oh. uh, that's like, that's like what I want to do. I want to be like a dermatologist, but and like, <laughs> so like she like takes out all these cysts and like pops pimples. And it's kind of gross, but it's, I think it's yeah. cool. Yeah, why, why that? <laughs> I, I have no idea. I just think it's like the coolest thing ever. <laughs> you got a lot going on and you got a lot on your plate. I, I would take <laughs> off now is, is the next thing. And, uh, and uh, I wish you luck on July 23rd. I'm not going to say July 24th because I know you're going on the 23rd on the first day of the draft and uh, good luck with that. Good luck with uh, the rest of your time at Michigan. And uh, I'm sure we'll see you, uh, see you on the ice uh, before too long. Thanks for doing yeah. this. Yeah. Thank you.